Good afternoon, good evening to you wherever you are and welcome to the 4Play podcast episode number 5. In this episode, Mark, Alan and Darren join me as we each name four original soundtrack albums that we love. It wasn't easy. Head on over to our Facebook group, 4Play Podcast, and let us know your thoughts about today's choices and what you would have picked if you had been in our shoes. We'll crack on now with the show. Just so you know, it's been divided into two halves, so we're going to cover the first eight albums this week and then we will drop the second half of the show next weekend. Enjoy! Okay, so here we are then. I'm delighted to be joined by my co-hosts and brothers in music. Uh, We have Mark Hollywood in Edinburgh. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, David and Chance. Good to see you. Good uh, good to see you sporting a green vest. That's an island top, I take it. That's an island top, yes. It's, um, I'm, I'm celebrating with Celts, fellow Celts today. Well done to Wales. Uh, big congratulations to them winning the championship. And Scotland beating France, Edinburgh France, for the first time since 1999 when they won, won the, uh, the Five Nations Championship. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Big up. Yeah, nice stuff. Um, and then also we have uh, Darren Parr in Devon. Hello, hello. Yeah, nursing a slight hangover today from fallout from my daughter's 18th yesterday, but I've made it. I'm, I'm going to get through this. I will do this for you guys. Good. You... <laughs> <laughs> afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. You, you weren't celebrating Scotland's victory then. Or... No, I forgot it was on until you mentioned it this morning. But... <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And also we have Alan Jones in Luton. Hi, Alan. Hi, hi, David. Hi, everyone. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Yaki Da, just uh, recovering <laughs> myself from a few sherbets last night, mm-hmm. celebrating uh, the Wales. Uh, well, we didn't play, and Scotland won it for us. So Excellent. thank you very much, the Scots. Uh, nice one. Brilliant. What 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 position did England finish? Who? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was just above Italy. Yeah. <laughs> so it? You're saying technically it's a wooden spoon then. <laughs> I never have to look that far down the table. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm glad we're here to talk about music. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, luckily. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about our, uh, or we're going to come up with four original soundtracks. Uh, and we are going to start with Mark. Mark, what's your first one? Yeah, the first one is from uh, a 1980 um, comedy film. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. It's a cult classic. Uh, most students have it up on their wall. Uh, these two guys, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, um, they, the soundtrack itself is immense. It's got James Brown, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Chaka Khan, John Lee Hooker, and it's just an absolute belter. I love it. Um, so it's um, if you haven't guessed it by now, it's the Blues Brothers. Uh, I I was introduced to this when I was at uni because um, I led a sheltered life way before that, <laughs> and uh, I heard the soundtrack, and it's just it opens up with um, you know this this. Uh, she caught the kitty. It, it starts off really, really slowly, and then becomes this kind of bombastic first first mm-hmm. hit. And it's just full of everything. It's 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 got blues, soul, jazz, and um, 
and of course it's got you know great songs like Sweet Home Chicago, and um, I, I can't I can't say any more about it. It's everybody needs somebody. That's the that was the one that went to the top of the charts. I think uh, with the two of them and the funny dance, and then the um, the Peter Gunn theme. If, if oh. people say, well, what's that? Yeah, and then once you hear the it's like that's the one. Thanks, Alan. It's like a one-man orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do a great rendition of uh, Elvis's Jailhouse Rock at the end when they end up in the clink again. But uh, my favourite on it, I, I love their their version of the theme from Rawhide when they go into this um, very dodgy yeah, country country and western um, bar, and uh, they don't know any other songs apart from their. Um, their usual uh, bluesy tracks, which don't go down too well in, in a country and western bar, and they end up singing the theme theme tune from Rawhide. I love it, which is brilliant. <clears throat> I love that. I think that really won me over that one. Yeah, and oh, it, oh, I, think, oh. I think my, my favourite on it is um, I, I do. <laughs> he's a wee word of his own there, Alan. Yeah, uh, I, I do love Sweet Home Chicago because it uh, it reminds me of the car chase as well, which uh, at the time. I think it was the costliest it car was. chase yeah. in cinematic history yeah. uh, because so many Chicago Police Department cars were written off. Uh, and and then and, and I loved Midi the Moocher by Cab Calloway and, and beautiful Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, she's in it. Uh, Steven Spielberg and Frank Oz also uh, make, a, make a brief appearance in Twiggy. Uh, Joe Walsh as well. He's a prison inmate, mm. and uh, yeah, like Spielberg is in towards the end, um, along with Frank Oz. Oh no, Frank Oz at the start as the corrections officer, and then yeah. I don't know whether it's Jake or Elwood um, is his possessions as he as he leaves the prison. So yeah, that's in there number one for me. Blues Brothers soundtrack from nineteen eighty. That's brilliant, guys. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you remember? Um, Christmas do a few years ago in uh, RBS. I think it was up in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and there was a Blues Brothers tribute band. Yeah, you remember that? Ah, uh, vaguely, yes. It was in the Crown Plaza. I'm sure it was. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, good memories yeah. in the Crown Plaza. I remember seeing. I can remember having a good old dance there. Did you ever see myself and Eddie Campaign do our Blues Brothers tribute act? You know, I was just thinking about that. Yes, I did. That was amazing. We pulled that out a few times for various charity gigs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really good fun. Really good songs, aren't they? You really get stuck into. Yeah. But again, great choice. It's one of the first kind of comedy films, I think, that ever resonated with me, really. I'd have been eight when it came out, so probably didn't watch it till a little bit later, but... Yeah. The, the, one of the funniest parts in the film, you know, not 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 just the soundtrack, but in the in the film, they go to the to see the, they call it the Penguin, and I I've had uh, run-ins with nuns and and <laughs> Christian brothers and priests and all the rest of it. But <laughs> it's when they they call her the Penguin and uh, she hits them for blaspheming, and every time she hits him, he he shouts out, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> get off me!" And yeah. it reminds me of a time <clears throat> I was actually I was in English class. And I was been t- <laughs> I was been talking to this guy, Brother Nannery, and uh, we were reading Julius Caesar, and he he had this false tooth, 
And uh, what happened was he, he, he turned around and he said, Hollywood reads. And uh, I had my blazer on, thankfully. It was covering the back of my neck. And just as he said Hollywood read, uh, it was the park of Mark Anthony. His tooth flew out, this single tooth flew out, <laughs> and this comet of saliva and bounced off my book onto the floor. <laughs> and I, of course, uttered under my breath, oh, you dirty bastard, like I say. And he heard me. And he absolutely lashed. <laughs> he got, we called it the black doctor at the time, which isn't exactly PC, but um, it was this big black leather strap about, it would be a good half inch thick and uh, a good six inches long. And uh, that's obviously massive to a guy. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he thumped me around the back of the neck with it. And I went, I went down like a sack of spuds with the chair. You know, you remember the all-in-one chair, chair, desk and chairs. And he just continued <laughs> until I, I managed to dislodge myself from the chair and desk and start across, across the room. Uh, so yeah, the penguin scene reminds me of that. I can remember being abused in in a in an RE lesson. I just glanced at my watch, and the next minute, all I heard was Ken Jones saying, "Rude boy, look at his watch," and he bashed me on the head with the Bible. <laughs> that explains a lot. No fine book. <laughs> Never recovered from that. <laughs> Rude boy, look at his watch. Bang. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Those are the days, eh? Never did us any harm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Blues Brothers. Uh, did I, in um, Universal Studios in um, Florida. I don't know if you guys have been and seen. Yeah, in there. They, every um, every afternoon they do, uh, and probably you know three four times a day they have this scene where you can just you know you just turn up and it's a street scene. And the next minute you see coming down the street is this, you know, the police car that they've got. But yeah. they travel, they, these, these, they're driving down the street and you can hear them singing as they get out of the car. <laughs> and then there's all dancing and uh, a saxophone player. It's fantastic. You'll probably watch it on YouTube, but it's, it's, it's excellent. Yeah, that's how I kind of really got into it in a, fa- in a funny way, really. Nice. Do, you know, do you know who started as the Penguin? It was the... Uh, the the late Kathleen Freeman, and I was just looking up who she was. Yeah, she was called the Pe- AKA the Penguin, but her her full name in the film was Sister Mary Stigmata. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Dave, interrupted you. I think that's what I was just going to ask, Darren. Um, did you do do some of the songs with Eddie when you were part of that four piece? With- yeah, I think we did as well then. Yeah. So we started off just doing um, kind of everybody needs somebody and that sort of thing, jailhouse rock, a couple of those just as a duo, and yeah, we expanded it to a bit of a soul band for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Remembering that was that was excellent. I did roadie yeah. for you once. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. did you get his autograph? <laughs> I got more than that, Mark. <laughs> what goes on tour stays on tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of whiskey went down that night. Dave the groupie. Yeah. 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 Okay then. Love that. Darren, it's on to you now. On to me. Okay. So I'm going to get this one out of the way, which uh, gave me, it's just given me about two weeks of stress and turmoil because it was my tricky fourth choice, like the tricky second album. But um, 
I didn't know what to do. I had a, I've got a short list of, I won't name them now because you guys might have them, but I had a short list of about probably 20 in the end. And this three of them were almost nailed in from the start. I ummed and ahed a little bit, but I came back to them. Um, this fourth one, I could not decide. And I've gone for, I mean, I still, if I was to do this again tomorrow, tonight, I'll change my mind. But I've gone for a film called Singles from 1992. Um, if you're aware of it, it's um, it stars a young Matt Dillon and Bridget Fonda. And it's set in Seattle. And it focuses on um, a group of Generation Xers at the height of a kind of grunge era. So as you'd expect, the soundtrack's full of kind of grunge stuff. It starts off with Alice in Chains, brilliant song, powerful song called Wood. Um, we've got the late, late and great Chris Cornell in there, Pearl Jammer in there. There's bits of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in there as well, doing a, the mm -hmm. Battle of Evermore. Oh. Um, State of Love and Trust from Pearl Jam, another Pearl Jam one. Hendrix makes it in there. May This Be Love from Hendrix. Um, and one of my personal favourite bands, it ends with Drown by the Smashing Pumpkins. And it's just one of those where the film's not great. It's a bit of a rom-com. It's, it's okay. What makes the film brilliant is the soundtrack. It's absolutely stunning. Um, and what I did, I did a couple of facts I didn't actually realise, that uh, the Pearl Jam bassist, Jeff Amens or Amens, he had quite a lot to do with the film. And Matt Dillon's wardrobe in the film actually are Jeff's clothes. Oh. Uh, so Matt Dillon didn't dress in the grunge style, and he borrows a lot of the Pearl Jam bass players' clothes, which is interesting. Um, and the film, the the, the group in the bat, in the film is a band called Citizen Dick. And actually, what they did um, was a lot of songs were written for that. But do you know Spoonman by Soundgarden? So right. one of Soundgarden's sort of big hits. But that was written for this film, which I never, was never actually aware of. Um, but that's why I said um, it's just brilliant. The soundtrack more than the film which is, I guess, what we're primarily looking at today. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you seem to know the film. Uh, I'm, I'm bleeding the Fifth Amendment on that one. It's okay. a, it is a, it is a rom-com. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I, I have been guilty in the, in the past of liking rom-coms. I, I, do, I do know the film single. I'm a film buff as well, so uh, I'll watch anything. And I have seen singles a long time ago. It was, yeah, a pretty average film. But the yeah. soundtrack, the soundtrack, absolutely. And do you know, when I was thinking about my top four, it never came to, that never came to mind because I think you, you sometimes associate the film with, the, you know, the soundtrack. And, and if the film's bad, you forget about the soundtrack. But you're you bang on the money there. It's uh, if you if you take that aside, the soundtrack is uh, it's epic. There's yeah. some great great artists in there. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to. I'll, yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, there was only two or three on my shortlist, actually, but we're like that, where the film's not great, but the soundtrack's amazing. Generally, mm. I think, I don't know whether the films are good or whether the soundtrack can make a film good. It's, it's a tricky one, but most yeah. of them are great films that I've had on my shortlist. It's not. Did you watch singles with um, Did you watch singles with Dave when he was your roadie? <laughs> what goes uh, on tour stays on tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't romantic enough that one. <laughs> oh, it was just it was just one thing, and that was it. Yeah. No, no kissing. Yeah. Alan, are you aware of that film or the music? I'm, I'm aware of the, 
the name of the film, you could have had me here all night and I wouldn't have been able to guess who was singing the soundtrack. But no. now you know, you know, you listed all those artists and obviously I know, I know of them or heard of, heard of them. Yeah. Uh, grunge is one of those types of music. I mean, I can, I like to think I've got quite an eclectic uh, taste and uh, appreciation of all kinds of music and genres, but grunge is one of those that um, is still really not in my uh, sort of list of genres that I would naturally go to. No. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, some great, you know, artists in there. So Jen, Jimi Hendrix and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can understand why you like it. Why you like it? It's, yeah, uh, it was one of those films that came out. Uh, how, I don't know how old you would have been there, Daz, but obviously you're a few years younger than oh, me. Twenty-ish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so probably just it was probably one of those films that came out, and uh, you know you took an, an, an you know an, a you know an interest straight away in the music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure whether that inspired the like my liking for that sort of music or whether it was the way around, but yeah. Yeah, around that time, David. Well, I, I'm the same as Alan. Um, I, I yeah. guess it's generational as well as, as you described it there, sort of a rom com, and with the the '90s music, wouldn't have been something that I would have naturally have listened to. Plus, I wasn't in the country when that came out. No, um, and like you like Alan, that. like Alan, I was. Um, or grunge has. I can't say it's passed me by. I've just never really got it i've tried i've tried so many times but it hasn't quite mm -hmm. gone but you know what i'm definitely going to listen out for this one uh, this week i've been playing so many soundtracks uh on on spotify whilst i've been at work that uh, it'd be good to have some other ones and to mix it up a little bit uh, yeah to be honest i'd say probably only maybe a half of the soundtrack is grunge there's also a lot of kind of you've got the hendrix on there you've got uh got paul westerberg so if you're aware of paul westerberg but it's a big yeah, kind of heard of him yeah, waiting for somebody is on the album. Um, so yeah, give it a listen. Maybe even watch the film. See what you think. Yep, you know what? Might well do that. Yeah, cool. Good it's time. not as uh, it's it's not as good as No Strings Attached. I recommend Dave and Darren watch that together sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good one. <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on sleepers in Seattle next. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's move over, over to Mr. Wales. So go on, Alan, what's yours? All uh, right, okay, yeah, this, 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 as far as I know, there isn't a, gun, a grunge track on this album. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back to 1965 with this one. Um, and uh, as soon as I mention uh, the, the starring, the star artist in this, you'll know what it is. Um, it stars Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, oh, right. and uh, in an adaption of a Rodgers and Hammerstein stage musical, originally uh, uh, came out in 1959. Uh, it's set in Austria in the late 30s, and the background to this is uh, the rise of the Nazi Party and uh, the Second World War. And of course, you'll have all guessed it by now. It's the classic. Uh, film The Sound of Music. Um, what can I say about this soundtrack? There's probably three or four songs here that we could both now, uh, we, we all four of us could all start singing. 
I'm sure there is. We, we, you, you just know the words. Um, I mean, just from, you know, the, you know, the opening scenes, um, you can see it now where the, the, the mountains suddenly, uh, suddenly appear and there's some lovely green grass and the helicopter of the, the film is going over this scenery and, and, and then eventually, you know, you see, uh, Julie Andrews and she turns around and she starts singing The Hills Are Alive with the sound of music and it, it's a quite an uplifting uh, piece of, uh, you know, filmography, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, if, uh, if anybody's out there who doesn't know the, the, the rest of the, the sort of story to this, it's Maria, uh, played by Julie Andrews, who starts off in a convent and things don't quite work out. And uh, she then goes to be a governess of a, a, a naval uh, officer who's uh, been widowed and his seven children, all part of the Von Trapp family. And I say there, there's some fantastic songs in here. Um, Maria, I think that's uh, sung by the nuns in the, in the convent. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Um, and then there's some classic songs in here, um, and there's some wonderful arrangements, um, just showing how clever these guys, Rogers and Hammerstein, really were. And the the way that they've written, I mean, the music itself um, is, you know, it's fantastic, but you put the words to them. Um, you know, my favourite things, how they came up with, you know, the things that they imagine would be people's favourite things, um, and then things that are, you know, not maybe their favourite things, like when the dog bite, bite bites, when the bee stings, mm -hmm. those things, sort of things. And they put all this into a song. It's when you think about it, it's remarkable. Um, you know, then climb every mountain. Um, that bring tears to my eyes, really. That. Um, you know, it's um, it's a song of of hope. It's a song of you know keeping you positive, trying to keep you positive about things. And then do re mi, a song about notes in music. Again, the way that they, you know, do a deer, female deer, ray a drop of golden sun. This is just how on earth did they come up with these pieces of of uh, you know of, of lyric. And then, you know, you know, probably one of the more famous ones, the Edelweiss, has been covered numerous times by people. And, um, you know, so long, farewell, they'll be there saying goodbye. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, there are some other, you know, songs like uh, I Have Confidence, I think is, is one of my favourites, and 16 going on 17. I mean, the, the list goes on. Um, they're fantastic songs. They're some wonderful arrangements. They suit the film fantastically well. Um, and I suppose one of the reasons why I've chosen this is because um, it's probably, I think it is the first film I ever saw. I would have only been um, probably four, four and a half at the time. I wouldn't have appreciated um, it 
properly then, but of course you've seen it so many times since. And uh, it mostly reminds me of my mum, because um, she bought the soundtrack. Um, for you watching at home, she bought the soundtrack and I played that to death. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things, if you appreciate music, I think you've got to appreciate this, this, this sort of, sort of album and, it, and it's a fantastic soundtrack uh, to a, to a great film. I'm delighted Brilliant to see it. Yeah, that's great. I may have a sing-along DVD to this that was given to me as a bit of a joke because uh, Claire, Claire, the wife, has seen this so many times and I think I managed to avoid it most times. But, but it is a very uplifting film, isn't it, Alan? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way that, you know, at the end they get away, that they get away and um, go over the border, you know, into Switzerland. They, they manage to escape, but... There's some quite dark pieces in that film, you know, especially when you see the the effect that the, the Nazis had on, um, you know, people at that time. You can see why they went along with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think we just recently lost Christopher Plummer in the last 12 yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Julie Andrews has gone on to be such a household name, um, you know, singing in Mary Poppins and uh, yeah great so uh, yeah that's my first choice and uh, got a lot of nice memories about that yeah that's great so that's not going to be one that can go into your musicals uh, selection now then if we do a musical show <laughs> you might have got yeah, too early on that one <laughs> no, I need to make a song and dance with it Dad <laughs> yeah. he does he does I think. <laughs> love it yeah, my mum and dad yeah. actually went to, um, you say it's Austria it was filmed, was it? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Austria is where they were. They went and did the Sound of Music tour. So they take yeah. you to various locations. In Salzburg. Salzburg. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, was raving about it. So it's a brilliant day out. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's the thing to do. I mean, we went to Austria a few years ago, but when we were in a different part, the other side of the country in Vienna. Yeah. Um, uh, which was a surprise to me. I was expecting all these um, snow-filled, topped um, mountains, and it was as flat as a pancake. Uh -huh. um, I was in the wrong part of Austria, obviously, but yeah, that's something we wanted to do, is go and do, um, spend a week in Salzburg and do that trip. Well, she would highly recommend it to you. She was really yeah. proud of it. Yeah, I've heard really very good, um, very good uh, feedback on that. And just whilst we're on, can anybody... Remember the names of the children. No. Uh, no. No. <clears throat> Not even one of them. Oh. Peter. What? No. Oh, oh was Mark's was looking well. Oh. Eh, no. <laughs> Peter. No, I, I said Peter or Rolf. Yeah, I've performed in the show as well. I really should know a few of these. Well, what role did you uh, play, Dad? There is a role for it. Chorus in that. It's many, many years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Well, I'll put you out of your misery yeah, then. Liesel, Frederick, Louisa, Kurt, Brigitte, Marta, and Gretel. I think Gretel was the little one who was always late. Excellent. Uh, a bit like you, Mark. That's me. I am the Gretel. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, just listening to you, uh, I get through that has brought a tear in my own eye because I, 
it is such an up, uplifting film, and I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I think because it's it's one of the it's one of the few films as well that people gather, you know, every year to celebrate. Ooh. It's had such a an impact on 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 the on culture that uh, you know people go on tour. They go to Austria specifically for that reason for the, for the tour, the Sound of Music tour, and people gather together and dress up as nuns and what have you. And, uh, and and celebrate the sound of music. Watch it on the big screen. I'd love to watch it on the big screen. I think I think it'd be great. But that's a fantastic choice. You, you pull that one out of the hat. Good stuff. And yeah. just she won't forgive me if I don't mention it. But Claire did go there four years ago with with her best friend Dawn. So part of the reason for going to Austria, they did it by train, um, was to to do the sound of music tour. Uh, oh yeah. No, I'd really like to do that. And of course, I, I just love the scenery as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just remember, I don't know if Claire got told the same story, David, but I just remember something my mum told me that um, apparently Christopher Plummer does a dance scene at some point in the film, but he lifts one of the young girls up, one of the children. Right. Yeah. Apparently, the filming took quite a long time, and over a few months they were filming, he actually said to the director, he said, Look, I think you have to get a different girl to play this daughter. <laughs> And I said, oh, why? He said, well, she's getting too heavy. She's getting too fat. I can't lift her up anymore. <laughs> I don't know if she, I think she had to go on a crash diet <laughs> to keep her fat. He was a great actor. Yeah. 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 He must very, be very handsome. I remember in so many films, so many great films. And uh, I think he was the last one before he uh, ran off this mortal coil was uh, about John Paul Getty, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know. I think so. Oh, was it? Wasn't it? Yeah, because um, oh, what do you call your man? Kevin Spacey was was meant to play the role, and then of course he he was embroiled in a lot of scandal, and uh, Spacey was kicked off the um, the film. And um, I'm not sure if it was John Paul Getty, but Christopher Plummer took over. It could have been. It was someone like that, Getty or Rockefeller. Yeah. It'll come to me, but it's um, it was his it was his last film, I believe. Yeah, yeah, very good. Good stuff. Very good. So we're on to David, aren't we? <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, 1982. Remember no. going up to London um, with with my friend Colin. So we often went up to either go see a show or see see a gig or buy some music. But on this occasion, we went to see a film. And uh, in just off Leicester Square, and it was Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, a fantastic album. It's or the music is great. The the film was great. I mean, appreciate that the first version of this that, that was seen in the cinema had the uh, sort of controversial voicing over by Harrison Ford through it, but it didn't take away from what was a great film. You know, and he's got Rutger Hauer in there and, and Sean Young. Um, the composer, of course, is Van Gellis, who I did consider one of his other albums, Chariots of Fire, going into into my fall. But I, I plumbed with this one just because you know, the, the the music complements the film so much that they become in, it's inseparable um, for myself. Um, I didn't realise that the actual music for it wasn't released straight away. Um, there'd obviously been a bit of controversy about it, uh, but for me, that, that as a film, you know, it's got a 
the, the music itself it evokes just the bleak future that, that's portrayed in Blade Runner, which of course we see those, those Blade Runner scenes from down at ground level with it raining and being noir and black uh, in, in so many sci-fi films since then. So it's a very, very much a sort of noir. It has a jazz feel that goes through it, um, but it's also got some Middle Eastern tunes in there or textures in there, which is good. And what I didn't realise until I was reading through it, um, one of Van Gallis's previous bandmates, Demis Roussos, is also in there. He sings on uh-huh. there. Wow. Can can anyone name the band that Van Gallis and Demis Roussos were in? No. Oh, no idea. No, no. no idea. Um, Aphrodite's Child. So oh, wow. Oh. Okay. Um, which is good. So yeah, the the actual score itself. So whilst the film came out in eighty two, the 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 score didn't come out until nineteen eighty four. Okay. There was to fill a gap. There was an orchestral version that was released uh, in eighty two, but disowned by Van Gillis and Ridley Scott at the time. But uh, and I suppose the only other option for me is if I hadn't gone for this one is if I would have gone for the more recent Blade Runner 2049 I don't know if any of you have heard that one I heard of the film when it came out but I can't say I remember the score particularly was it good was it equally as good as the Blade Runner score I think if I ask uh, Seth my son he'll say that he prefers the the, the more recent one um, I mean it was the film perhaps didn't quite live up to it in in the same way but it was uh was it three years ago three four years ago that it that it came out and yeah. just trying to remember who actually did the music because i've i've got it but i haven't got it can't get the name in front of me um no another great film the another great film another great soundtrack that went with it so did you see that at the time alan when it came out no, I, I couldn't tell you what the. I could totally pass me by. I'm not a big. Is it science fiction type film? Oh, it is. Yeah, based on a Philip K. Dick yeah. novel. Yeah, I'm not Utopian a massive type. science fiction fan. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a massive film buff. Yeah, to be honest, I've seen quite a number of films, but I couldn't tell you the last time. Well, even before COVID, I probably haven't been to the cinema in the last. I don't know, 15 years. I'll take you. Uh, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, even now, I, I very rare I watch a movie. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm more interested in just listening. Yeah. Rather than I'm cool. a listener rather than a watcher, I think. But yeah. uh, no, I've obviously heard of the film. And, just, uh, just looked, it's Hans Zimmer. Thank you very much, Darren. Yeah. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. associate it, you know, him writing that. I think he did inter- he's done loads of films as well. Another one of, yeah, so one of, mm. one of Seth's favourites. Um, Interstellar yeah. being one of the particularly oh, particular ones that stands out. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, I've got to uh, give you a big up on this one. That's It's a great film, and... Um, I'm going to give the soundtrack another listen to. I think Van Gallis is, um, he's 
Oh, well, is he up there with Rodgers and Hammerstein? Don't know, but he's come out with some wonderful, um, very memorable soundtracks. Um, Chariots of Fire being one you've mentioned. Yeah. And uh, I used to run on that very on that very beach where it was filmed. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I lived in St Andrews for two years. In slow mo. And I used to in slow mo. Yeah. <laughs> with my with my moves hitting my chin. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like the film, of course. Yeah, just and and uh, Rob Gahara obviously, of course, oh. is famous for um, the Guinness Sanfords, isn't he? Oh, or yeah. was, yeah. And Demi Strusos, I, I haven't heard his name in years, and uh, he was he was involved in a hijacking of a plane in the eighties. Was it? Yeah, he hijacked I, the plane. Yeah, I, I I remember this. No, <laughs> he was he was flying from Athens to somewhere, and uh, I just remember it on the tarmac, and and they were saying. Never, like, never mind the rest of them on the plane. That makes resources on the plane. Yeah, that makes uh, Yeah, I just, and I just remember being transfixed. I was, I must have been, oh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, around then. And he, um, yeah, he was on a hijacked plane. Oh. I obviously got off on unharmed at the time. There you go. Just <laughs> little snippets there about the, Sorry, the people yeah. you've mentioned. Yeah. Nice. yeah. No, what were you saying at the beginning, Dave, about... Uh, the narrative to the film, yeah. Something. So does that? I don't, so um, there was. There's been several different cuts of the film. You know, the director you know, Scott Ridley or Ridley Scott yeah. director's Ridley cut. Scott. Yeah. Um, but in the first one, you have, as you have in quite a lot of noir movies, you have the detective who's taught or the whoever the gumshoe is. He's talking over, giving a bit of a narration, saying given a description of what he's doing why he's doing it and I think it was done that way to try and help people understand where the film was going rather than a bit more cerebral you make make up what you can of the film by the way it's being told to you uh, so oh, right. it, did, it did just get a little bit of a uh, a panning by by a number of people at that time no no uh, if you're not a film person particularly I'm not going to try and sell mm. you on it but um, certainly oh, right. one which uh, any sci-fi lovers would, I think they would see that as one of the sort of seminal films. In the it's been on film 82. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. ding, <laughs> ding. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it did go through a, a bit of a purple patch then, didn't he, really, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, were you going to yeah. tell us? Yeah. Um, I think, was he not behind Alien as well? He was. was he, um, uh, what else? Yeah, he might have been, and also, what was that? Was, uh, the um, Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Gladiator. Yeah, a few years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's an absolutely brilliant choice, and it was one that nearly sneaks into my top four. Oh. But just guys, I've got a version here, Excellent. which is a nice numbered copy that came out from Urban Outfitters on red vinyl. Ooh. Very Ooh, good. Worth a pretty penny now, so we'll have to listen yeah. to that sometime. But yeah. Really, really good choice, David. What can I Brilliant. say? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to come back around then to Mark. Okay. My second choice is actually from two of, of my favourite um, film writers, producers, directors. The, the Coen brothers absolutely love pretty much all of their films. Um, they've had some great, great uh, films like Big Lebowski, um, Barton Fink, uh, 
just uh, well, I could I could list them, but more the Irish are few of it. But there's one film. It's based in the 30s um, during the Great Depression uh, in the United States, and it's loosely based on Homer's Greek poem, um, The Odyssey. Um, okay, it sounds very heavy already, but it is it is brilliantly funny, satirical, um, and the soundtrack is equally brilliant. I just I, I love this. Film. It's um, it starred John Turturro, uh, George Clooney, and uh, Holly Hunter was in it as well. It's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It came out in two thousand. Uh, the soundtrack itself, I think, picked up a Grammy award. Uh, the guy we've, we've mentioned them in previous podcasts, uh, Alison Krauss of Union Station, a guy called uh, Dan Taminsky. He dubbed over. George Clooney's voice in in the film uh, as part of the soggy soggy bottom boys, mm-hmm. and um, uh, what can you say? It, it, it is country. It's country, but it's bluegrass as well. I was going to say it's from that from yeah. that. Yeah, um, and I, I just I, I love it. Um, a man man of constant sorrow is the big hit on in the film, and that's how the guys are. Um, you know, freed of their their shackles, they they become a massive hit. But people don't know in the film that it's uh, these three escaped convicts who happen happen to stumble upon a, a radio station and recorded a record, uh, which became huge, and everybody wanted to find out the identity of these guys. And it turns out it's these these three convicts. Um, Anyway, I'll not spoil the film for you if you haven't seen it. I, I would go see the film, uh, but oh, it's yeah. all about the, the soundtracks here. Some fantastic names on it. I've mentioned Alison Christ. Uh, I've mentioned Union Station. Um, you've got Harry McClintock in there, Norman Blake. Uh, Emmy, Emmy Lou Harris <clears throat> is in there as well. Give it a listen. So this is this is my second choice. And it's yeah partly swayed by the fact that I love the, all the Coen Brother films. But mainly because I think this is just, it's such a unique soundtrack. It's, um, it's, it's not like anything I've heard before or since then. So um, that's my number two. I think that's yeah, great. Yeah. I know the soundtrack well. I've got the soundtrack on CD, but I'm probably ashamed to say I've not seen the film. So the film yeah, is great. good. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, if you can get it on Netflix or, or whatever you have, Amazon Prime, yeah, uh, it's it's you know, watch the sound of music tomorrow afternoon, and then oh brother, where are they tomorrow evening? And that's your Sunday sort. Watch the sound of music though. From Monday, you can come around. We can watch it outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, on that one, though, Mark. Before we move on to see what the other guys think, I just want to give a shout out to um, Kieran O'Sullivan, one of our avid listeners, who actually came up with that one himself as well. All right. Nice one, Kieran. In the week, yeah, good show. No, love it. It nearly got into mine. It was in my shortlist for sure. Mm. On there, and and I think it sets a tone right at the beginning. That film doesn't it have the chain gang and they're all singing, so you, you get yeah. the idea of okay, we're going to have some singing in this this film. And if you don't know what it's going to be about, what it's going to be like, then that really just gets you in the mood, and it just gets better from there. Yeah, and, and there are these little subliminal messages as well. You're, you know. The, the the cow um flying flying across the, the screen and uh the, the the old man 
the old black guy on on the um, I don't know what you call those devices. You know, oh the, yeah. The push up, the push up and down on the on the train track. Yeah. He's uh, seen at the yeah he's he's seen at the start and the end of the film. Yeah, so it's it's just great. It's one to dive into. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the film. Uh, no surprise there. I ha- I do remember seeing the soundtrack coming out. I uh, got very um, good reviews at the time. Is it? Is it? Is it like a? Is it? Is the cover blue? No, it's no. It's like a like a yellowish color. Um, uh, yeah, it's got the characters on the front as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's got three yeah. convicts in there. Yeah, stripy oh, right. uniforms on the front of it. Perhaps I'm thinking of something. Else. No, but. Oh, oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm just yeah. showing for benefit of people watching this in black and white. I was just showing the, the cover <laughs> of the CD. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've obviously seen that in the shops. Um, I'll have a listen on uh, the Spotify when it comes out. Yeah, well worth a listen, definitely. Must be. It's in Mark's top four. <laughs> Excellent. Great uh, shout. Is it me? Is it me? It is, Darren. Okay, brilliant. I'll crack on then. Um, so yeah, so this one was always going to be in, always going to be in my top four. Um, the film itself was originally actually turned down by TriStar as being too demented. They weren't a fan of the script whatsoever. I just stopped myself back up. Um, and it was taken on by Miramax. Uh, I can't mention who took it on because it's no longer politically correct to mention the chap, but I'm sure you can guess. Um, and this is a film from 1994 with what I think is a stunning soundtrack. It relaunched, well, I say relaunched, it certainly boosted the career of uh, Mr. John Travolta, who was in a bit of a wilderness at the time. Uh, went on to win the Palm Door at the 1994 Cannes Film Festival and is widely regarded as the masterpiece of Mr. Quentin Tarantino. So this first, the second one I'm going with here is Pulp Fiction. Um, I just think he said himself about the music in his films being so, so important. He thinks that it sets up his project and the script's delicately balanced on the music. Um, he bases the whole story around the music rather than filming it and then finding music to fit. Um, I've got a quote from him, actually. He said, to me, the opening credits—the uh, opening credits of every film he does—are very important because that's the only mood time that most movies give themselves. So he thinks if you open with a cool sequence and the music's playing or the scene starts, it can just really start it off. And *Pulp Fiction*, I think, is the way it starts is fantastic. It's just got the—I think it's called Miz Mizalu, if I've pronounced that correctly—and it's just the ding 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 ding. As soon as that kicks in, you know you're in for a brilliant film. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've got the very start before that kicks in. Um, if any of you beeping beeps move, I'm going to execute every beeping beeping last one of you. And then it comes in with that. And oh, just amazing. And some of the songs in it, I mean, I think it's down to Tarantino that I started to explore kind of 60s and certainly 70s music. This one's full of 70s music with Jungle Boogie, Let's Stay yeah. Together from Al Green. you got Son of a Preacher Man in there. Um, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, written by Neil Diamond, but performed by uh, Joe Bacall in the film. Um, 
Flowers on the Wall. There's just so many good songs that even now I probably wouldn't be aware of if I if it hadn't been for Tarantino and certainly for Pulp Fiction in this case. Um, yeah, that's it. I just love the film, love the soundtrack. So how about you guys? Oh, yeah. big time, big time. This 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 could have been in my top four very easily. Flowers on the Wall. And just before that beeping, beeping, beeping scene, you yeah. know, he's sitting there. It's it's Tim Roth is in the film, and he's a fantastic yeah. actor, very underrated. And uh, he he was even over to her, "I love you, honey bunny." Yeah. <laughs> it just goes from this very sedentary in a diner to all hell breaking loose. Typically Tarantino, and what is typically Tarantino as well is every like you know Reservoir Dogs, and I, I really hope one of us has chosen this because that. That's squeezed out of my top four as well. But he just chooses the soundtrack so, so well, meticulously. And yeah. if you look at this, if you listen to the song, it just it, it complements the scene in which it is. Like, I, I instantly think of that, the, the cop getting his ear chopped off <laughs> to stuck in the middle with you. You know, just, oh, you know, horrendous scene, but you've got this quite satirical laid back um sarcastic song going on in the background uh and and, and this is pulp fiction yeah great choice I, I could go on and on and on about it you know the hidden meanings behind songs and the scenes but uh, great yeah. choice man yeah. yeah definitely Damn, i think that's brilliant and and i think what you've described there is how you know the these songs would have had their own life but for people who came to them by seeing pulp fiction that's where they will associate them with, not not with the hits they were in the seventies, but by watching mm. that Tarantino film. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm the wrong age to have got into seventies music, but I've got into some seventies music now through film, and it's a great way in, definitely. Yeah, as music's timeless, as I keep telling people, certainly in the school where I work, they keep saying, "Oh, you like old music." I said, "No, I like music." Yeah. There's no yeah. thing with old music. All music's yeah. timeless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do. Yeah. I do. I'll teach them properly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great soundtrack, isn't it? Um, I, I love that uh, yeah. rendition you did. You did earlier uh, of the, you know, the opening scene. <laughs> um, yeah, some very good uh, sound music on that soundtrack. Yeah. Absolutely. Great one. We've got a great cast of uh, of songs already and, and I'm going to be adding a song from each of these soundtracks to our uh, playlist on Spotify and I'll share the link for that in the show notes. Do we get to choose which songs we're putting on? If you get around <laughs> to sending them through to me, then absolutely. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Oh, please, please, please put uh, Flowers on the Wall. That, okay. I, love, I love that song. Yeah. yeah, okay. There nice. you go. Mark's chosen that one. There we go. Nice one. Brilliant. Okay, that's great. So, Alan, your second choice. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just moving a couple of years on from my last choice, 1965. I'm moving on to 1967 um, when I was only six. Um, uh, this one uh, stars Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft and a lovely looking lady called Catherine Ross. Um, it's the story of a 21-year-old guy called Benjamin Braddock, 
Uh, he's a recent college graduate, and he's kind of working out what he wants to do with his with his life. He's got no real direction at the moment, um, and um, he suddenly starts uh, an affair with uh, uh, one of his uh, parents' uh, friends, uh, a lady called Mrs. Robinson. She's always referred to as Mrs. Robinson in the film. And uh, so, yeah, eventually he uh, finds that he's actually obsessed with his daughter, with her daughter. And so that's really um, the background to the film. And uh, if you haven't guessed it by now, I've already named the uh, name of the film in my preamble, and it's called The Graduate. And it's got uh, it's the the soundtrack itself is is only around about thirty six minutes, um, some very um, uh, short uh, short tracks, but uh, and they're they're, they're mostly uh, a mix of Simon and Garfunkel songs and some cheesy instrumentals written by a guy called Dave Grusin. Um, so originally, um, when they were looking for a soundtrack to the movie, um, they were just going to use the instrumental versions of the Simon and Garfunkel tracks, but they decided that you know, they would use um, some original uh, some original tracks. And also some of the tracks were re-recorded uh, just for the film. So, I mean, the film sounds, the, the, the film starts off with, uh, a track called The Sound of Silence. And if you've watched the film, it's where Benjamin is basically um, in a swimming pool. He's there with his dark glasses on. It's a really, really bright day and he's just doing nothing really. Um, and, and it's great. Um, and then he's got to, um, he ends up getting out of the water, and I think its father is saying, "Well, you better get ready because we're having some kind of graduate party for you." Or, or there was some meeting. Oh, that's what it was. Um, there's some kind of party at one of the neighbours where where he meets Mrs. Robinson. Um, it's um, at the time, I suppose, uh, we would have been watching it properly when I was in my teenage years, my formative years. Um, so it was um, quite um, risque, I suppose, for me to be watching this sort of, you know, stuff, the, the bedroom scenes um, where Mrs. Robinson is uh, sitting there in her, uh, let's just say she hasn't got very much on. Very negligee. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, she's in uh, bra and uh, pants and suspenders, I think. You get the, you get the, the scene. And... Um, uh, Benjamin says, Are "You trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson?" <laughs> like that. And uh, yeah, um, but I mean, the songs in here—I mean, they, they were already hits before they, they, they were in this film. Mm. Uh, you know, the sound of silence. As I said, Mrs. Robinson. Um, by the way, there's a great cover of that uh, done uh, a few years ago by the Lemonheads. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah. Um, and um, Alan as well, yeah. Yeah. Too late for the um, version show, but it was a brilliant song. Wasn't it? Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, the, these um, so these cheesy sort of instrumental bits by Dave Grusin are 
just add to it really um, um, and uh, one of the one of the tracks or probably one of my favorite one of the favorite sequences is where Benjamin is um, driving and uh, he's going off to try and find um, Elaine which is uh, Mrs. Uh, Robinson's daughter and uh, the track is called Scarborough Fair and um, he's driving in his red car, uh, open top, and uh, he goes across the um, the Oakland Bay Bridge, um, which, you know, at the time I wouldn't have had a clue where that was, <laughs> but I happened to go to San Francisco uh, in 2009 on our 25th wedding anniversary, and I actually got to go across the bridge. Um, and, you know, all from my mind then I was, I can remember, you know, thinking Scarborough Fair, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what I didn't realise, um, that Scarborough Fair isn't a Simon and Garfunkel song. It's, um, it's a traditional English ballad. It goes back um, to the 1800s. And it, it kind of found its, 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 its life in the northeast of England. Um, and, I mean, my wife actually... Um, lived in Scarborough for a number of years. Um, there are various uh, versions of this, but the Scarborough Fair, um, which was slightly differed, you know, in the Simon and Garfunkel version, the word slightly, um, but, you know, there were various versions of something fair, but Scarborough Fair is the one that kind of stood the test of time. And uh, it's a lovely, lovely song, you know, contains, you know, the parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. And, and, you know, she once was a true love of mine. It's a love, some lovely words. And, and, and there, there's a part of the soundtrack which they call Scarborough Fair slash Canticle, where you've got some lovely harpsichord music being played. And some lo you know, lovely arrangement. And, um, yeah, he's just going, driving across the bridge and the, eventually the, you know, the, the picture pans out and it's just a lovely part. Um, so there's not that many tracks in the film. They do get repeated in slightly different ways and, um, um, you know, um, some are just um, instrumentals. Um, but, um, no, it's a great, great film. And if you, have, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's very, you know, it's worth watching. Um, my favourite bit, um, oh, probably this is a spoiler. <laughs> Not the end. Is <laughs> when he, he, he gate crashes. Um, he gate crashes Elaine's wedding at the end. Uh, he, he's, he's going absolutely round the round the twist. He's so besotted with her, and he's banging on the in this church, and he's banging on the on the glass window. Hello, hello, <laughs> I love you. And uh, she does the right thing. She leaves her to be husband at the, you know, at the altar, and she runs away. And the next minute, they're sitting on a, a on a bus, and um, he's laughing his head off. He can't believe how how he's lucked out in the end. But yeah, it's a great film, great finish, and um, and such a great soundtrack. I think you can get away with doing spoilers. It's been 50-odd years, hasn't it? So, <laughs> well, <we> yeah. <laughs> Not quite got around to it after 55 years. Yeah, but I mean, Hoff, Hoffman, he, he's always, you know, since then, been one of my favourite actors. I, love, I loved him in Papillon. 
I, uh, Steve McQueen, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and also uh, it's been another film. I was to say it's a, it's a bit cheery. Yeah, yeah. The other one he was on is um, the other one, which was not quite so cheery, but the album was in contention for today was the Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, powerful film. Yeah, yeah. That was in contention for me. Yeah, Nilsson. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I think I think Scarborough Fair. Let, let alone. I mean, I love I love this film, um, and I really like you know Red Hoffman as an actor. I'm sure he'd be glad to hear that himself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after all his awards. He's but uh, it's yeah, <laughs> it's such a it's a great film and a, and a powerful soundtrack. And I, I just I, well, I mean, I'm biased. I love anything about. Uh, that has anything to do with Simon and Garfunkel, Scarborough Fair, and uh, the song America are my two favourite um, Simon and Garfunkel songs. I could I could just drift away listening to Scarborough Fair, mm-hmm. and I'd love to reenact that. You know, open top car. I don't know if it was a yeah. v, VW, but um, you know, driving driving along in San Francisco with the top down, playing that very loudly with the girl of my dreams. You know, that'd be. That'll be something special. You should go back and find that church hall on your next wedding anniversary <laughs> and just batter on the window. Tell her, tell her you love her. <laughs> also, I'm not saying that we're getting old, but when Alan said that the Lemonhead's version of Mr. Mrs. Robinson was a few years ago, I think yeah. it was 1992, Alan. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, what? It's crazy. I remember that. Like, I just... I remember that, like I was in the charts last week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Miss, I was I was looking this up because this was on my short list of fifty five or something. But yeah, because uh, I, I do love the films, but I, I love I particularly like this. But uh, uh, did you know that Mrs. Robinson was actually going to be called Mrs. Roosevelt right. after Franklin Roosevelt's wife? All oh, right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And they canned it. <laughs> right. Good job they did. Yeah. But the scene you described, it's a, it's a film poster, isn't it, as well? The iconic picture yeah. of Pat with oh, yes. up on the bed and him walking in the door. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, with his hands in his pocket. Yeah. And the fluffy mules. That yeah. one's for Claire. Fl- the fluffy mules and the negligee. <laughs> I must admit, I was thinking earlier when I was, I, I think that's the kind of look I would have liked to have adopt, adopted as I graduated from some American college. He had some nice hush puppies on, some cream slacks, the, a nice jacket. The preppy look. Yeah, that, yeah, that that would have done me, I think. Never too late. Yeah. Never well, too late, mate. Yeah, well, Ken I Clark can, wears hush, hush puppies, mate. Ken Clark wears them. If he can wear them, you can wear them. <laughs> <laughs> I have had hush puppies in the past. Okay. Uh, no, I've probably had cream trousers, but not all at the same time. Okay. I never was a dedicated. And we'll be we'll be following up with the uh, the fashion podcast with Alan Jones <laughs> next week. Yeah, it'll be a spin off we can do. You got now, Mark. Hey, oh, this here, this is um, this is a Belgian pilsner called oh, right. Avans. Avans. Where are you getting all this Belgian stuff from? Um, no? So every every month I get um, you know a different one. So one one month it's German, the next it's Belgian. Next, it's 
Irish, French, whatever. So yeah, this month it's a uh, Belgian. You just get like eight. Well, you can get eight, ten, twelve. I just get the eight. Yeah. Try them out and say to myself, right after lockdown, I'm heading to Belgium. Where <laughs> I can, where oh. I can try it for real. Have you never been there? Do you know, I've never, it's one of the, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, I, I know we're digressing slightly, I'm very lucky yeah. to have travelled through most of Europe, but I've never, um, I think I've, I've landed in Brussels, but maybe for a connection or something, I don't know, but I've never been, I'd love to go to uh, Bel- Belgium, Brussels, Antwerp, Bruges. Bruges, I'd love to go to Bruges, yeah, and yeah, uh, sample their fine places. beers and chocolates. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant stuff. Okay, so, uh, David, I think it's over to you. Thank you, Alan. So I realised when I was looking through my list, there was actually the same director, uh, musician combination that, that occurred twice. So one of the contentions I had was for the Buena Vista Social Club, which is... Uh, film directed by Vim Vendors as he travels with Rai Kuda over to Cuba, to Havana, to check out this uh, Buena Vista Social Club and these these old musicians who are sort of hacking a life as best they can out of it. But in the end, I actually went for one of the others. Uh, maybe they've done some more, I don't know. But this is a 1984 film. It's a road movie. Uh, stars Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Kinski and, and Dean Stockwell. And of course it is Paris, Texas, which um, uh, Ry Kuda, he, he plays his slide guitar, in a, a, a gifted musician who can play different types of styles. Um, but he picked up a theme from a blind Willie Johnson a song called Dark Was the Night. Um, which he himself thought was or described as being the the most soulful transcendent piece in all American music, and by using this music, he he sets the the scene and the style and, and the ambiance for for the film about the the main character by, played by Harry Dean Stanton, who's a vagabond who wanders out of the deserts, uh, tries to reunite with his brother and his seven year old uh, nephew, um, and then uh, sorry, and his that's his son. And then they go on a bit of a road trip and it's very moody. It's it's a little bit dark. Um, not surprising whilst it's set in America, it's actually produced by a French-German backing, um, which gives it this this unique quality. Um, uh, it's, it gives you, it, there's bleakness, there's very stylistic. And for me, I don't know how many people would have seen this film. Mark, I'm, I'm doing a lot of arty films here. You're going to see I keep on the same theme as I, I carry on through this. Um, and it picked up a whole bunch of awards when it came up. But again, it's another one where the music makes the film and the film makes the music. So a great combination for the two. It, it won the 1984 Cannes Film Festival and, and also the Palm Door. So uh, obviously the, the combination was great. But And Vim Vendors, you know, what, what a great director that guy is. Um, I have quite a lot of Raikuda music uh, and every different one is different. He always tries to push himself and moves into different styles. Um, he had the, I'm trying to remember the uh, the super band he had with John Hyatt and, and a couple of others. The, the, 
which name that comes to me, the little village, I think it's called. Um, I'll, I'll name check that later on. But no, a great film. I'm, I'm, Alan, I'm not going to ask if you've seen this because this wouldn't be on your radar. I know, but I do like Roy Kuda. Um, okay. My brother uh, was a big fan. And uh, an album that he used to play was called Chicken Shack Music. Oh, amazing, yeah. And um, I bought it on CD. And then a couple of years ago, it came out on some nice yellow vinyl on Music on Vinyl, on the Music on Vinyl uh, label. Uh, yeah, so, and I'm, I'm aware of his other of his repertoire and it's one of those guys i need to really uh get some more of his music so i'll be i'm going to search out this one there uh i've seen it obviously seen it's a black cover i think yeah yeah um uh with with a a registration plate which is just like a registration exactly that um yeah so something i need i really need to do more more digging and i'm looking forward to, to listening to him because uh, I, I do play that album quite a lot. Um, reminds reminds me of my brother. Oh, um, yeah, and some other, he's had some recent, some recent albums uh, as well. Um, but this one was like, like a, I don't know, like a grey or red cover. Yeah, a really nice cover. It's always too expensive to buy on vinyl. Um, so I haven't been looking for that yet. But yeah, okay. I've seen the, seen this one in the shop. Um, I haven't seen the film, as you say, but yeah, look forward to listening to it. Okay. Yeah, this one, I, this is the first one today that I'm aware of, but I've not seen the film, don't know the soundtrack, and the really annoying thing is, I have the DVD in my collection. <laughs> I've recently cleared out all my DVDs and thought, oh, I've never watched that, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> it went at a car boot sale, I think. So I do, that, I do need to visit this one. And watch the film, and obviously the music. Thank you, uh, Dan. It is a certain style, so it's not going to be for everyone. You know, it's a, it's a no. sort of loopy, yeah. uh, slight guitar I, sound. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I have to say, I like. I like the film. I love Henry. Uh, uh, Ding, what do you call him? Harry Dean uh, Stanton. Yeah, yeah. Who, I yeah. think he passed away recently. He did as well. Because there were films that, it, yeah, he he was in. Um, you know, he's he's been on a lot of films that uh, you know never never made. Um, you know the 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 big time, but he's he, he was a very underrated. Just like Natasha Kinski, she's in films, and you go, "All oh, right, that's her." Yeah. You know, when you see her or Harry Dean Stanton, you go, "All oh, right, I recognise them." Them vendors, I'm a big fan of. But I mean, I know we're talking about the soundtrack, but one one of my favourite films of of uh, Vim Vendors is. Uh, uh, Wings of Desire, where you know it's it's based on an angel. It's it's a bit like Peter Falk. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's got um, it's it's got, it got you know uh, similarities with uh, it's a wonderful world. But yeah. the you know the, the guy is the angel, but he falls in love with a mortal, and he and he wants to become a mortal uh, and all that. So I'm, yeah, I'm into that kind of nerdy kind of f- film. And uh, Paris, Texas. Yeah, I like it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have put the soundtrack in, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch that film again and give it a good listen, properly. Yeah. But uh, good choice. I like it. I, I watch these films when I go to the Edinburgh Film House. You know, right. I sit at the back oh, and yeah. like a like a proper geek. 
<laughs> so um, I'll look out for this once once we're all back in the land of the living. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah. Darren, I can lend you a couple of things we talked about. So that we talked Please about today. Yeah. I think I've got this. Yeah. So, oh, brother, where art now? I've got that as well. Um, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I, I was get, I was getting really excited when you said Buena Vista Social Club. Really <laughs> excited. I thought you were going to choose it because I just love, love, yeah, love that. No, but I, I, so I think, I'm not sure there's actually an original soundtrack. I, I think there was the film, or there's the DVD, and then mm -hmm. you had the release of the, the, of the players, but it wasn't the original soundtrack. Right, yeah. got it. Um, yeah, I, I did not know that. Go, yeah. go, sorry, Al? I definitely bought the CD. Right. But it doesn't yeah. say original soundtrack or anything on it, does it? I don't know. I don't think it does, no. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, I, there's so many to choose from, so I, I, I went with Paris, Texas, because that was the one that popped up on my list first anyway. And we did see we did see them uh, at the Buena Vista Social Club. We saw them in Plymouth. Oh, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them. Whatever. They still had a couple of the old boys in them in those days. Yeah. Um, obviously, they moved on. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, we just reached halfway on this, guys. I am going to ask you a question each, or you just have to give one answer. Who remembers the first soundtrack album that they bought? And I'll, I'll kick off because I do remember mine. Um, I, I, actually on cassette I got Shaft the Isaac Hayes one but the first album I remember buying vinyl album bought it in Woolies in Ashford where I grew up and it was the Star Wars soundtrack double, oh, brilliant. double album brilliant. Um, which which still still with me and that was from whatever 1977 so 77 yeah must have been my Saturday I do remember I do remember, but it'll it'll only give away one of my my choices. Okay, well you can you can tag that in <laughs> later on then. Yeah, you know, I, 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 okay. I, I was actually yeah. going to say I remember mine, but it might give away somebody's choice shortly. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I was I was going to mine as well. I was going to say though a big shout out to Mr. McMulty, Jerry McMulty, uh, back in Newry. If he's if he ever stumbles across this, I hope he's still alive and kicking and well. He was my. Uh, primary teacher in primary six and seven and jerry came in with john the best of john barry and john williams and we listened to it this was after we'd done our 11 plus and we could kick back and relax and, and wait for big school and um he brought in vinyls uh john barry and, and he brought in john williams i just i we listened to it. i loved it absolutely loved it and um uh, of course the star wars theme was on that Oh, Jaws. Yeah, the list goes on. But, uh, there you go. You, you, you just reminded me of my old, my old teacher. Yeah, brilliant. So we decided that we would pause recording this episode. So effectively, this is the end of episode five, and we'd ask you to join us again in episode six when we will reveal the remaining eight albums that make up our final choices of original soundtracks. Thank you, and have a good week.